Hello and welcome to the Regular Features Podcast. Like Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. <laughs> Play it backwards, baby. This will only make sense when you get to the very end of the podcast. My name's Joe Scrabbles, and I'm joined by John Log Blythe. Hiya, 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 hiya. And Stephen Hogarty. Hello. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I really liked about that is because for some reason we haven't been able to solve the fact that you're on like a four second delay on our end, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that I got to hear you react to your own voice and then see the reaction again. Uh, yeah, for, for any, if you're, this is your first episode, the reason we all laughed is because that sounded nothing like Steve, <laughs> yeah. although Steve said it. <laughs> that sounded like a whole different guy. Um, is Chris Bratt back on this podcast? Is that we got the guests? <laughs> oh, let's get Chris Bratt back. Yeah, Bratt 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 Bratt. Uh, <laughs> look, I'm going to break tradition by saying what my feature is first. And my feature mm. is about how I've recently moved to the countryside and there's an alarming lack of crime that I can sense. Log, what do you got? I, in a feature that was contemporaneous when I wrote it, am reacting to the news that James Corden is apparently rude in restaurants. And I've got a friend who saw it all happen. Wow. Steve? Log, that's the second time you've you've said that it's that the event was contemporaneous with you having written it. And I, I, I take it as a passive-aggressive slight that I delayed the podcast recording by five days. Oh, wow. Someone's absolutely thinks he's the centre of the universe. Perhaps I am. I'm just worried about my relationship with the reader, Steve. <laughs> my feature this week is um, I've done a, a cover version of a, a song by a band that not many people know... And it's sort of brilliant, actually. (laughs) (laughs) They played them on Radio 6 morning, this music. Music this morning. Morning music. Lauren Laverne's morning music. (laughs) It was Radcliffe and Lard, I think. Radcliffe and Lard. Why aren't we called Radcliffe and Lard? And with that... A jingle. <laughs> Thanks, Raz. Just, Why isn't every one of us called Ratcliffe and Lard? I just realised that that was such a shit segue that I wanted to hear a jingle in me. <laughs> I used to save my files all I see. Now, baby, I don't. Some podcasts might send out an MP3, but Red Feeds just won't. Because if we did that, we'd have to answer to Papa Steve. Then he'd kick up a fuss and the podcast would end when he leaves. We're sending out web files. Some... Katrina and the Wavs. I've moved to a village. I used to live in the big city. You both knew me in the big city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I lived in a place called Walthamstow. Big City Joe, we called you. Yeah. Well, Big City Joe's dead, and he's in the cold tarmac of the big city, and sprouting from the rural earth is little Joey Scrubs. He's <laughs> burrowed all the way into the suburbs. Yeah, I mole-manned my way into... (laughs) That's as as rural as I get, the suburbs. (laughs) suburbs. (laughs) Well, let me tell you, there ain't a burb to sub anywhere near me. I'm I'm, I'm deep. 
I'm doming in the domiciles. <laughs> uh, nice. And I know you're meant to think when you move to a village in the countryside, something like you get out of the car and you're immediately like, oh my gosh, it's so peaceful. Mm. Oh my God, it smells like dung. Yeah, I can hear a horse do a piss from ages away. <laughs> Why do they all piss at the same time? It's so noisy. <laughs> they all sync up. Um, but to me, that silence, not the piss, breeds a certain level of suspicion. Where's the action? Where are all the sirens? And where is the crime? I looked around at this place as soon as I moved here and I didn't see a single speck of crime. And I looked into the crime stats for where I used to live in London versus the new village. And according to UKCrimeStats.com, Walthamstow has already had 9,239 crimes this year. And my village has had 44 crimes. Now, I don't know what that says to you, but to me, it screams that the police are not doing their job. Because everyone's (laughs) as bad as each other. There's got to be thousands of unreported crimes in my village. Which is why, since I've moved here, I made a Bobby's hat out of a brick and a bit of string. (laughs) And I made a truncheon out of another brick. And I've been patrolling for crime every evening. And I present to you excerpts from my little Bobby's notebook that police have and do drawings in when they're pretending to interrogate people. And also my notepad is another brick. (laughs) The crime Teen in school uniform Playing on a slide in the park Without supervision The punishment I banged on the slide with my brick The one in my hand And I shouted Now I would hazard a guess That you must have a mother waiting for you at home Now you get out of here and eat your goddamn dinner and say a nice hello to your Auntie Janine for me. Nice. Buck buck poor chucker. It sounds like poor Well, I actually was modelling that accent on the greatest screen detective of our age, Daniel Craig in James Bond. But unfortunately, (laughs) the teen escaped. Crime two. Teen in school uniform eating a bit of chicken in the woods, unsupervised, and then he threw the bone behind him like he was some kind of Henry VIII. (laughs) The punishment. (laughs) Banged on a tree with my brick, this time the one on my head, and I shouted, Now, kid, who's gonna clean that up? Your mother? I don't see about no place. And why are you wasting food? That's perfectly good bone you're throwing away. Make it a soup! (laughs) The teen escaped, and I ate the entire bone contemplatively. Crime three. Teen in school uniform, climbing a tree without a hard hat or pitons. The punishment. (laughs) Kicked the tree repeatedly in my new brick cop shoes I'd made that day, shaking it until the teen was hanging from a branch, shouting, Stop it, you weird prick! And I shouted back, Don't you call me a weird prick. I'm an officer of the law. And this is what happens if you climb trees so goddamn high, kid. Some kind of weird prick might come along and kick it until you fall and 
Don't you forget about it. <laughs> the teen fell into some moss and escaped. <laughs> the crime. Someone was in my garden. The punishment. I was going for a nightly drink of Clamato juice when I saw the telltale gleam of the security light play out across the hallway. I wonder if it is my friend, the rural fox, thought I, and went to have a look through the window. Instead, I saw a hooded figure standing in the dead center of my garden, and they were holding what looked like a brick. I rushed outside, picking up my brick, but the time I got outside, they were gone. I just remembered this is the punishment section of my notebook, so I will give myself 30 brick brick hits on the leg. <laughs> brick hits. Big 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 big, big big brick hits. The crime. Teen in school uniform looking suspicious with mother. The punishment. Walked up to the kid who was talking with his mother outside the corner shop about the merits of Clark's the shoemaker as compared to inferior brand Dykeman. Well, pardoning me, ma'am, but I gotta have a word with your boy. And that word is, you been hanging around my garden with a brick? The mother stepped in front of her son as if I was a criminal, and they shuffled backwards right into a Range Rover Evoke that I assume was theirs. <laughs> and while I shouted, you're protecting a criminal, my dear, I will have my interview. I repudiate this. I repudiate <laughs> all of you. But no one was nearby, so it felt a bit weird, even to me. <laughs> the crime. There were two people in my garden tonight. The punishment. <laughs> I had a feeling he'd be back, but when I peeked from behind the curtains, I did not think he would have brought his mother as well. I stared at the now two hooded figures under the spotlight, opened the window, and yelled, Piss off! Uh, I mean... <laughs> Get off of my property! <laughs> I ain't scared of you! They both took a step forward in perfect synchronicity. It was haunting, and I ran to get my biggest brick, a breeze block I call the riot van. When I got back, there were letters written on my window in some kind of grease. They said, A cab. I went outside to be certain they were gone. They walked to the window. I licked my pinky finger, dipped it in the grease, and shoved it up my nose like how cops do for cocainum. Chicken fat, I said. The crime. Teen in school uniform, killing me. The, the punishment. I saw the teen in the park, but what he saw was a man in a whole suit of armour made of bricks, dragging himself along the floor like a paralysed dog because I hadn't accounted for how heavy this would be. I dragged myself all the way up to him and it took about five minutes to stand up before I said, Well, look at who we got here if it ain't the no-good son of a barley field that's been threatening my <laughs> petunias. Now, I know it seemed like I might have been setting up some kind of twist where the teen and his mother were never the garden culprits and that it was actually some kind of sect that don't want a copper in town. But the kid said, Yeah, it was me and my mum in your garden with bricks and it's because we want to kill you for telling me off a few times. And then his mum said, And I was here the whole time! Before pouring <laughs> cement into the gaps between my brick armour. So here I am, hardening and suffocating under the moonlight 
writing this final entry in wet cement upon my own brick body. If you're reading this, just be aware that there is always crime, and you are always in danger, and you will die. The end. (laughs) (laughs) You enjoying the countryside then? Scary place. I find that a reassuring story in many ways. Well, yes. Human nature is undimmed and unchanged, but unfortunately human nature is to kill me. So, (laughs) scary stuff. It's why we had to stop doing in-person podcasts, because they're fucking lunging across the table at you. I kept getting beaten to within an inch of my life by boom arms. Horrible. (laughs) Oh, hello. Would you like another feature? Yes, please. That would be wonderful. Boys, are you familiar with the indie rock band Public Service Broadcasting? They sound familiar. I'm aware... They've got the same initials as Pet Shop Boys. Well, they better be, because I spent half a day fucking making this track based on one of their songs. <laughs> Should I teach myself how to use um, Band Lab? And I, I thought I would um, just make a little quick song for the, for the podcast. And cool. public service broadcasting is known for blending um, archive footage and audio with, um, mm. with catchy electronic uh, indie rock loops. Mm. And that got me to thinking, hey, that seems like a piece of piss. I'm going to do that <laughs> and spend far too long figuring out how what a MIDI is and how a loop works. And then getting so frustrated and running out of time before the podcast and not liking the result and going, I'm just going to fucking play it now because it's all I've got. I've spent four hours figuring out how to download a guitar <laughs> you That's not what you do with them. <laughs> right, here it is. Okay, you ready for it? Yeah. Okay. Play it. I want to hear this now. Okay, here we go. I made this. I have always been fascinated by crabs. <laughs> that hard outer shell, eyes sticking out on stalks and pincers that could break a man's arm. Someday, I'm going to build a special kind of a crab. But it isn't exactly a crab I'm creating, is it? At least it's a curious sort of a crab. A crab with a gun. (laughs) A crab that can run at 400 miles per hour, diagonally, faster than any train. Certainly any sort of train that I've ever known. A crab with a gun. It has to turn on a sixpence, carry eight machine guns, do a loop-de-loop without its brains bursting out of its shell. A crab with a gun. (laughs) Climb 10,000 feet in a half a second, grab the enemy between its claws, and squeeze with the force of an iron vice. Back through steel and shoot Gloria Estefan from a mile away. A crab with a gun. Come in, hunter leader. You have a crab on your sick. Bang, bang. The crab is coming in fast over the bay. You should be able to see him now, this crab. Oh, God, it's glorious. Can you see it? Light control, tell me you can see the crab. 
Absolutely, a crab with a gun, and it's the greatest thing that Britain has ever invented. Let's incorporate this into our national identity for at least another century. Right. So that I want the crab with a gun to be the symbol of the NHS. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're coming for you, MS. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like it's hard to make music. But, um, I thought you did. No, yeah, that's well, a great kind of music, though. Just talking over kind of formless loops that don't need to be on the beat of anything. That's brilliant. <laughs> I, it's it's inspired me to have a go. You should to do have it. a gun. <laughs> <laughs> you did very well downloading that guitar. The guitar was right in there, as far as yeah. I can tell. And then I I had to come up with that. Uh, that little guitar lick. I call it a lick. And if you listen to public service, it is the actual, it's the same notes. But I did them. I did them. <laughs> and that makes them yours. I listened to their one, and then I did them myself. I'm oh, just imagining one. you walking around your house just going, Reese, I've got it. I've got it. I've got, I've got it, brother. <laughs> so wait, was that, that was a... It was a, a pastiche so on, so accurate that you were literally stealing the notes from the band you were doing it off. It was basically a cover version of amazing of a public service broadcast shot for song. shot cover version. Yeah, you did the Vince Vaughn psycho of public about- service broadcasting. <laughs> Their song is about the Spitfire, the Spitfire plane. My one is about a crab, a crab with a gun. 400 miles per hour. <laughs> the, the size of a blimp. Yeah. I can't tell whether it's better or worse that Log and I are so clearly have no fucking idea what the original song sounded like. <laughs> like yeah, I wasn't expecting yeah. I thought people knew more, knew public service broadcasting a little bit better. Maybe the I'm, reader knows. It, Maybe I'm sure the reader knows. Stu- Stuart certainly knows. Stuart, so that's, this is right up Stuart Street. Bands that make music. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> And then I was picturing the crap, you know, at the end of um, um, Air Combat, and there's like a big flying fortress, mm. sort of like a classic arcade thing. I was thinking that. And, you know, this is what happens when I don't have time to really think about the feature much. I just have a couple of ideas about big flying crabs, and then I <laughs> <laughs> spent four hours making the music for it. Yeah. Oh. I had such a tough weekend. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's talk about your weekend, Steve. What's up, mate? It's just been... I've had to cram a lot in. <laughs> I had that bloody Volvo. Oh, oh how's the, how is the Volvo? The promo Volvo is like an albatross around my bloody neck. I don't have a <laughs> parking space for it, and that's why I have to drive around. I'm paying £75 pounds to park it. Oh, I Volvo. thought you were going to say you just you were still in it, just having to drive constantly. <laughs> this is why your internet connection is so choppy because you're driving around London. I'm on the M4 right now. You're like a shark. <laughs> if you stop, you get fined. 
That's, <laughs> that's exactly how the. <laughs> that's exactly it. Because the remora comes ang- up and goes, fucking move on. Oh, I had I had anglerfish pegged as the cops mm. of the sea. <laughs> so it's stressful owning a car. Like, what do you put? What like you can't put it anywhere, and like you can't stop anywhere to think about where you can put it. There's no that's like why lots of people are getting rid of the walls in their houses just so they can park in their lounge. Mm. That is like a th- I think like Cameron's do. dad in Ferris Bueller. <laughs> He parked his car inside a house. I seem to remember. Yeah. Yes. So, but, but is it a good Volvo, though, Steve? Give us a sneak preview. Give us a pre-review review. Perfectly fine. But it's an electric Volvo. Um, it's got all the, the better for silently killing people with. I stumbled across the pictures I took of you driving me around in a Tesla the other day. That was really good. Oh, yeah. We had a nice day. Or a nice drive home, I should say. You just tootling me home in a Tesla. Felt, Is that when fun. I kept accelerating? <laughs> yeah, because the accelerator was so sudden that yeah. you were like, "Let's just let's just accelerate again." Um, <laughs> but it was also when the the automatic driving system that's meant to read the lines in the road didn't realise that the lines were a bit faded, so it kept just veering us into traffic trying to find. The <laughs> oh lines my again. god! <laughs> you should have had a dash come on. You could have posted it online and had loads of fucking Tesla fanboys telling you you were a liar. Yeah. <laughs> It was trying to find the nearest child. Even back then, it had a ravenous thirst for infanticide. The, those strange childlike bollards by the sides of schools to make you think, oh, my God, a child. It fucking feeds on those for breakfast. Yeah, they're like Christmas crackers a little to pre- a Tesla. They're like, they're like a pre child snack. <laughs> Sorry, childlike bollards? What, what are they? We, in, well, in Nottingham, outside schools, we have bollards that are shaped like. Gaily coloured children mm. to make, and they are there are they are weirdly uncanny valley enough to make you go fuck me, weird children. I won't kill those. I'll veer into these real ones instead. <laughs> yeah, they're so frightening on on like a lizard brain level that you just jerk your steering wheel and fly into the school wall directly into a music Once class. Once you know that those children are, in fact, bollards, is there a, a risk of like, desensitising your, your brain? I hope they are. I've sat on one while I was waiting for... Thank you, love. Now... Hello, now it's time for my feature. I don't know if you know that last week, when I originally wrote this feature, it was quite topical that James Corden had been a knobhead mm. in a restaurant, mm-hmm. got barred, or, or Section 86 or something, whatever the, the weird code they have in Hollywood for not being allowed into a restaurant anymore. And um, then he was rude everyone to got a very waiter. excited. Sorry, carry on. Because he was rude to a waiter. Yes, extremely rude to a waiter. He was... Um, his wife was chowing down into her egg yolk omelette, found a bit of egg white into it, and uh, she started screaming, and he started screaming. Um, waiters came over, they and they both screaming. turned to the waiter <laughs> and screamed in his direction, which knocked him off his feet. It's like when people vomit. One person vomits, the next person vomits. Same for screams. And then... And then someone in the background farts, and it's just like, oh, not that as well. We can't all fart and vomit. And then they're all yawning. James Corden starts (laughs) farting avalanche across Hollywood. Yeah, so um, 
And then they obviously they we I, I mean if you spend a lot of time on Twitter, an awful lot of time, you all know the story. But they came. The omelet went away. Came back with chips instead of salad, and that's when it kicked off. He got onto his hover boots and just, oh, just crashed his neck into the ceiling, <laughs> and then blamed the waiter. And that's when Alphonse McGurk, the owner of Balthazar Restaurants, came out and uh, told him to f off. To the best of my knowledge, I don't know myself. I that's what I got on Twitter. But I know someone who's got a little bit of a better angle on it. Someone who was actually there that night, and I've um, invited her onto the podcast tonight. Hi, I'm Patisserie Singleton, renowned New York socialite, and the reason they stopped serving mojitos in the Lower East Side. And let me tell you, I was on table 60 at Balthazar the night James Corden got served his last egg yolk omelette. And I can tell you exactly what went down on the most coveted food-eating tables on the junction of Crosby and Sprang. The first I became aware of Corden's imminent arrival was when I saw the large brass bugle being lowered on Balthazar's ornate and very expensive winch. To the unilluminated, the bugle's just a bit of fun. A meaningless toot to put you in the mood for a $27 smoked salmon tartine. <laughs> but to those in the know, the bugle is the asshole klaxon. <laughs> and as a nose-tapping member of the Manhattan Glitterati, with the sex blog and Jimmy Choose to prove it, I swung my heavy head nonchalantly to the window, just in time to see a full suit of 15th century armor paraglide through it. The provincials and the tourists all gasped. I nonchalantly turned back to my $38 duck confit entree and observed the proceedings in the reflection of my oyster-shocking knife. The mysterious paraglider pulled the salad off his armor, revealing Corden's unmistakable eyes. Eyes like raisins in a bowl of Balthazar's $18 homemade granola. Looking at that face, it felt the skin was getting sucked in by the sheer gravity of his skull. And the only thing he could do to keep his head holes open was scream. Right on cue, Corden started screaming. But no one could tell what he was saying thanks to some sort of large metal chin guard. My B-list pro bono brunch buddy Henrietta Suflex noted with a heavy eye roll that Corden had committed a late medieval armor 101 boo-boo. He'd pulled off the salad, but his mouth was still obscured by the necrotetting bavore and gorget. Corden was incandescent that his big entrance had been ruined and slammed one gauntleted fist onto table 23, knocking a $31 small plate of big-eye tuna crudo every which way but hither and thither. That was when his entourage arrived, two extremely large men carrying the green and brown life-size plastic M&Ms from the store 49 blocks north. These hefty thugs threw two chairs from table 62 across the room to make space for these ladies. The chairs crashed into table 17 and sent their $33 summer vegetable pepperdells onto the floor and into the mouth of one of Balthazar's ever-vigilant Roombas. Corden and his four friends took their places around table 61, Balthazar's second-best table and right next to ours. Get the girls ready to eat commanded Gordon. 
I'm gonna call him Gordon, commanded Gordon softly, and the big men started to rub coarse sandpaper all over the lips of the flagship brand mascot ladies. The waiter came over, but Gordon batted away the sheepishly offered menus angrily. I'll be ordering whatever the fuck I want, he snarled, sniffing the air around the waiter's head with simmering menace. I want your hair! The waiter was an absolute professional and produced a pair of grape scissors and started hacking obediently away at his fringe. Not like that, you fucking idiot! We could tell that Corden was enjoying himself. The metal taints the aftertaste! Corden stared at the waiter, licking his lips. The waiter, unsure exactly what was being asked of him, lifted one hand to his hair and gave it a little tentative tug. Corden nodded, those tiny eyes throbbing with hunger. Go on then, he said, through a mouth thick with unswallowed saliva. The waiter whimpered as he reluctantly yanked out a small tuft of hair from his scalp and positioned it under the highest of Corden's glistening chin collection. But he recoiled in disgust. Do you seek to hand-feed me? Do I look like a filthy billy goat in a city farm? Me and my famous large girlfriends like to eat from the sauce. Lie on the table. He said this managing to spit on every syllable, even though there were precious few plosives in the sentence. The waiter, who was crying, but still extremely professional, crawled onto the table. On second thoughts, I'll eat this £1.79 beef and onion pasty I had flown in from Watford Gap service station. He gestured to the green and brown Eminem companions. But you dig in, girls. At Corden's signal, the extremely strong men in his entourage picked up the lady M&Ms by their ankles and started rubbing their big plastic mouths heavily against the waiter's head. The sandpaper roughened material, grazed and eventually ripped the skin on his forehead and cheeks, and Corden just stood there laughing. I defeated the Cybermen with love. Imagine what I could do to you with hate. At that point, we all heard a young voice sobbing and piping up from a nearby table of what I can only assume was tourists. Excuse me, sir. My child has a rare condition that means his body will turn into green slime if his heart goes over 50 miles an hour. Everyone looked at their plates. Any hope that this evening would end without fatality just drained from the atmosphere. In the reflection on my cutlery, Gordon's eyes opened so wide you could almost see his pupils. Gordon pressed his face right up to the child's. Boogity boogity boo, he said, his hand around the child's throat. The speedometer on the child's t-shirt revved to 45 miles an hour. I I said, boogity boogity boo, he said, lifting the seven-year-old child from their chair effortlessly with the help of his two large henchmen. 46, 47, oh my god, 48 miles an hour, 49! The child's skin was beginning to turn green and wet, just as the needle was hitting the clearly delineated slime zone. Corden dropped him. The family gasped in relief. You don't know me at all. I'd never kill anyone that hadn't wronged me. This child is an innocent. Corden walked back to his table before stopping and turning around. Oh yeah, I forgot. Corden Corden started twisting his neck and pulled out his Adam's apple. You interrupted my meal. 
Gordon punched himself in the stomach and, a f- and about a liter of sizzling red acid shot out of his neck hole, melting the skin and muscle off the poor man just as he was about to eat a mouthful of Balthazar's exquisite $57 New York strip steak au poivre entree. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> At this point, I put my hand up, which is how you tell the waiter you'll have that meal if no one else wants it. Suddenly, everyone turned back to the screaming child, whose speedometer was spinning around and shouting, Slimification commencing! Is there a doctor in the house? Someone screamed in a fourth voice I hadn't planned. It's too late. It's too late in the story for me to be remembering new characters, but it was probably the mother of the child. Um, me, I yelped. I'm a gigantic doctor! I'm not, but I could tell this was going to be big on Twitter, and I was sick of being in the background. I went over to the kid just as he collapsed into a translucent puddle. Get this fucking wet mess some corn flour or something, I said. And someone buy me a stethoscope on Amazon. I emptied my food handbag onto the floor. Strawberries costing $350 from the farm of Japanese strawberry genius Mikio Okuda. A $12 teaspoon of Italian lemon juice and some complimentary sachets of sugar I grabbed from the coffee making facilities in the hotel room where I fucked Joe the barman for my sex block. I think he's alive now, I said, as surprised as anyone else as he started to fidget and rotate. I think he's trying to say something. And we all stood around, crying in awe, as he said this. And if they haven't a bit that bit, you'll be fading in the Jelly Boy jingle. <laughs> I'm just a jelly boy. I am made from gelatin. Sometimes it makes me quite annoyed. I can only jiggle and spin. Said he had a range of cures Recommended a podcast Said it was called Regular Features Gap Joe not mad, Steve in my ear holes I did not dare hope for miracles My heart going boom, boom, boom Then they said, Jelly Boy, we're gonna give you bones Um, yeah, it's how apparently that's you've done it once yourself, Joe, haven't you? I mean, I that's how you get out of a feature when you don't know how the fuck to end it. You just turn it into an origin story for something else. Yeah, someone's <laughs> just got to lose their bones, and then it's a Jelly Boy multiverse feature. <laughs> One day we'll do the canon origin of Jelly Boy, but until then. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants to know how the Joker was really made the Joker. We enjoy the stories no. more than the truth. Exactly. <laughs> and I also did make it. Patisserie Singleton might be an extended universe pussy pal. <laughs> I thought she might be a I, rival of Grape Salicious Bourdain. She sounds like she moves in Grape Salicious's circles. Yeah, high society, just getting all up in very specific areas of the world, <laughs> looking at food there. Downloading the Balthazar menu and just using it to pad out with mixes. Yeah. It was it was the th- it was the um, the duck confit entree being thirty eight dollars. I was like, this guy's got the menu. <laughs> he's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got a PDF. He's got a PDF. <laughs> Research as content. It works. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs>
Uh, right, should do some B names. B names, B names. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Regular Features Podcast. If you like the podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash regular features and help us out by donating an amount of your choosing. And when you do, you'll get access to the Patreon-exclusive Discord, which we call the Beehive. And that's where we <clears> hang <throat> out and talk about honey and other things. You also get your very own bee name. Boys, could you please give bee names to the following new Patreons? Please give a bee name to... Matt Beasley. Oh, for fuck's sake. Grow up. <laughs> Matt or Max? Matt. Oh, Max B is a, the perfect B name. Maximum. How about Max Apium? The opposite of a Matt B is a glossy wasp. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Glossy wasp. <laughs> glossy wasp. Glossy wasply. Glossy wasps. Wasply. Wasply. I think just glossy wasps. Glossy wasps, wasps. nice. Yeah. Glossy wasps is such a horrible series of shapes for your mouth yeah. to have well, to make. Look. Oh, like, you're, like you're slithering around <laughs> the house while be you say it. Max Beasley in the first place, then glossy waspsly <laughs> is really the only way to go. Now, if we're going to go for glossy wasp, I'm fine with it, but I will be against it when it comes up in future. I'll, I'll remember. And you will not. And you'll not talk to him if it comes to a live show. A guaranteed. If you Open talk- palm slap across the face for Glossy Wasp. Yeah. <laughs> Please give a bead name to Adam Norquist. Sorry, that's Adam Nordquist. Last bee in the eye gets the Annie in. No, that's not shit. <laughs> You're right, it wasn't Nord. shit. Oh, did I say not? it wasn't shit? <laughs> you did. <laughs> that's not shit. <laughs> I'm silently <laughs> congratulating myself. Last one in the hive get the honey in. I think that was Last- good. Bee in the hive gets the honey in. Please give a bee name to Brian Wood. Toronto abdomen. Whoa. Nice. So good to... I was absolutely bogged down in Brian Wood. Theresa May. Um, bees shan't. <laughs> so I think... Thank you for getting that out of the way with <laughs> just, Toronto abdomen. Just chuck out <laughs> Toronto abdomen. Because that's like the opposite of... Glossy Beasley, Toronto abdomen. So it's got it's got rhythm and form. Mm, it's like the opposite of a Yeah. Please give a B name to Morgan S. Henderson. Oh. Stately. With more gun, this bee could be a crab. <laughs> no. <laughs> Steve likes it. <laughs> I'm allergic to it though, so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, finally, please give a B name to James Drain. I'll say that more normally. James Drain. <laughs> the whole draining the hive of honey thing. I'm, I'm mumbling, so it's not mistaken for a B name no, suggestion. Exactly, yeah. I'm kind of in my head, I'm <laughs> mumbling a sewerage. Yeah. Um, that's all I've got. <laughs> a little sump pump. Sump, sump pump. pump. Sump pump Susan, that's your name. You sump. are going down the drain. <laughs> <laughs> sump pump Susan. <laughs> great if you'd like your own B name you can go to patreon.com forward slash regular features and help us out and if your name does end with drain next time it'll be something like macerator andy we'll just go with that and i'll have to tell the story about shitting all over my dad's face again because that's the only thing i think of when i hear the word macerator mm, me too 
Mm. Why did you say mm, mm, me too? Yeah. <laughs> I'm hungry now. <laughs> Slurp. I am actually hungry now, though, so I've got to go. <laughs> you fucking filthy piece of shit. Why don't we, before you go, Steve, let Joe do an intro. It's the end okay. of the podcast log. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but if they have the repeat button on, then... And repeat one, not repeat all. Yeah then it will immediately go back round to me saying...